0: theme, you know the title of our series is, Why Don't You Like Me? And, uh, you know, you, you see the theme being Facebook, and that's very common now. Everybody knows what Facebook is. Everybody has a Facebook. Uh, if you don't have a Facebook, raise your hand. Very small handful of people. Just about, I mean, I I, I could ask, if you have a Facebook, raise your hand, and I'd get Way too many hands to be able to see who doesn't. So we can reverse that question. It's an international icon. It's a universal uh, icon. And so now, uh, in our day and age, we know what it means to like something. Uh, You know, I don't do Facebook, but I have an Instagram account where you post pictures and it works, I guess, kind of like Facebook. You have people that follow you and you follow other people. And you can do the same thing. You can like pictures. And you know, it makes me feel good when I put a picture up at the end of the day and I have 27 likes on a photo for whatever that's worth. there's something that generates inside of you, and I want to tell you today that that feeling, as innate as it is, as deep down as it is, is given to you by your creator. Because your creator, when he made you, realized you need to be in connection to something else. Nobody doesn't. Nobody wants someone to hate them. Nobody wants to be hated. Okay. As much as they may act like they don't care, I don't care who likes me. I don't care how many Facebook friends I have. I don't care how many likes I have on a. You know, as much as they put off on that, everybody has a desire within them to be liked and to uh, belong to something. And I'm going to tell you that that's not wrong. You just have to be careful what you're driven by, because if you're not careful, you will do something just to be liked, and you'll do something uh, just to uh, be long and be in a relationship, and that's where I want to go today, because I feel what has happened, and kind of where I started getting the urge to go into this series was, uh, we are going to the wrong source for affirmation. Simply put, we have become more concerned with who likes us than remembering that God loves us. Last week, we pointed out that the most important relationship you will ever invest in is the relationship with your father. Why? Because when you invest in that relationship properly, when you have this relationship in line, then you'll have these relationships in line where we get out of line with these relationships is because they don't properly tailor back to this relationship. We identified Jesus last week, and we saw that Jesus had a very tight, close relationship with his father. And because he had that type of relationship with his father, he was able to properly Operate in relationships this way. Even when it came to natural family members. Even when it came to blood. I mean, there was one time he was preaching in a house full of people and, uh, they came in and said, hey, your, your, your brothers and sisters, your mom, they're, they're standing outside. They want to see you. And he makes this statement. He says, who is my brother? Who is my mother? Now, he's not denouncing that he has blood family. Because now you're looking and you're, you're thinking, wow, Jesus was a cold figure. Jesus really didn't care about his family. He didn't really care about his relationship. No, he cared about his relationships on earth, but then he makes this statement. He says, those who do the will of my father, that is my mother, that is my brother, that is my sister. He related the relationships that he held on earth back to the relationship that he ultimately had with his father. That was the relationship he placed the most interest in. Uh, That was the relationship he invested the most in. He was constantly praying and communicating with his father. He was getting up early before before anyone else got up. You read those verses and you have to understand that back in Jewish culture, the day began at around 5 a.m. And it was saying that he was getting up hours before that. So he's up. You could go anywhere from 1 to 4 a.m. in the morning. He's up communicating with his father. Then he goes and then he spends all day with people. You ever noticed that Jesus never prayed for anybody? He never prayed for anybody. He just commanded things to happen. He never had a, a person with leprosy come to him. Now, all right, God, I thank you that you're the healer. And that you're going to heal. He, didn't, he never said that. He just spoke directly to this stuff. When we, were talk, when we were talking in our prayer series, we said this, that Jesus spent a lot of time with his father, so he had to spend very little time with people's problems. See, we do it the other way around. We spend a lot of time with people's problems, and then we spend a little bit of time with the father. But Jesus had a priority in his relationship. He said, my relationship with my father comes first. And then that will help me keep my relationships with my friends and with my family in proper alignment. And so that's why he can make a statement. Who is my brother? Who is my my sister? Oh, those who do the will of the father. That's why he can look one of his best friends in the eye, Peter, And when Peter got all emotional on him and and pulled the friend card and said, I don't want you to leave, I don't want you to go, stay here with me forever, you're my BFF, you're my best friend forever. Jesus was able to look his best friend in the eye and say, you don't have your mind set on what my father thinks about. You have your mind set on what you think about. See, when you have a proper relationship with the father, then you'll be able to identify when the people around you aren't thinking like the father. And the only thing that matters is thinking like the father. The only thing that matters is what does the father want me to do? My wife and I went through this when we moved up here two years ago. Now, all my family's in Texas. I've already been through the whole don't leave, don't. Go, don't move that far away bit. All my friends try to pull that card on me. Florida? that's What does that take, like a day to drive there? No, it only takes 18 hours. Doesn't take a full day, almost. Depends on how many breaks you take. And my dad made me drive that thing all by myself. 21 years old, and uh, there was no switching. And he said, we're leaving at midnight and we're driving straight through. Straight through, okay, that means we're not taking pit stops. No, straight through means we're not sleeping, we're not eating, we're stopping to get gas. You better get something at the gas station while we're there because that's it. And 18 hours later, I was in a new territory. I don't know how I made it, but I did. And then I slept for probably another 18 hours after that. But I already went through that transition. I already went through that, but when we moved here, Two hours away. It's not even that far. And I don't know how many times I've had to make that statement. It's not that far. It's not that far. It's two hours. St. Augustine, Florida is right down the road. Valdosta, Georgia. But, you know, people pull that card. Now, thank God, you know, we had uh, most of our friends were, uh, you know, thinking like the Father. Thinking like the Father. Oh, man, God's got a purpose and plan for your life. You're going to, to start a church there. You're going to take over a church. You're going to, to do God's work. Man, we're so excited for you. So it's easy to, to identify. And you know what? We, were, we had this relationship in line. So then when the real tight blood relationship start showing up, mother-in-law, father-in-law, sisters, nieces, nephews, do you have to go? I, I remember, I, I, I won't forget the day that we told her mom. I won't forget it. It was probably 10 o'clock at night. What I wanted to do, because I knew what was going to happen, what I wanted to do was, uh, hey, we're going to Valdosta. Bye. Bye. That's what I wanted to do. By the way, uh, we're getting ready to leave. Why is all that stuff in your car? Oh, we're moving to Georgia. Yeah, we couldn't pull that one. So we're at Dunkin' Donuts in the parking lot. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm thinking, man, they're going to pull the car. They're going to pull the uh, you know, you can do ministry anywhere, you can do God's will anywhere, uh, pull pull the whole card, and so bring them the emotional stuff, and uh, Camden at the time, he was, uh, January, he's about eight months, eight months old, and so the first thing they say is, can you leave Camden? Sure. Okay, I see where it is. I'm not even concerned with what you're thinking now. That's all they're thinking about is the new eight-month-old grandbaby. That's all they care about. So we've been down that road where I have to learn how to stay in line with this relationship because if I get moved by this and it's not in alliance with this, I've got my relationships out of order. The number one relationship you will ever invest in in your life is with your Father, your Heavenly Father, God, your Creator. And He's the one that knows the plan and the purpose for your life. And watch this. He will place people in your life periodically to help you accomplish what is necessary at that time. Every stage of my life, I've had people in my life to help me. Every stage of my life, because we saw this last week, the reason for relationships you don't get into a relationship because they're good looking you don't get in a relationship uh with someone because well we grew up next door uh you know all our lives i've known them since i was three we were in preschool together you don't get in a relationship because if i hang out with that person they'll make me look cool they'll help my status they'll help me get that that new job they'll help me get that new position at work no you get into a relationship Because relationships are designed to help you achieve your purpose. And in turn, you help the other person help achieve their purpose. It's all about purpose. It's all about why you're here. And so God will place these people. But watch this. We saw this last week as well. The enemy knows the the same strategy. And so everywhere you go and God places someone to help you, the enemy will place someone to hurt you. Everywhere I've gone, I've always had someone that tries to get me outside of my purpose. It didn't matter where, it didn't matter what school you go to, it doesn't matter what side of the railroad tracks you grew up on, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, what city or state you're from, the enemy will find that person to try to hinder you and hurt Your overall purpose. Hey, you should come out with us tonight. We're going to have a good time. Yeah, but that will hurt your purpose. But see, if I have this relationship outside of this relationship, then I'll go with this relationship, even though it'll hinder this relationship, and I'll pull an Eve and an Adam. And Eve entered a relationship with a snake based upon communication rather than staying in relationship with her father rather than staying in a relationship with her creator. So we have to understand these relationships. But today I want to talk about this right here. Why don't you like me? Because we live in a day and age where people are going to other people for affirmation. And when you don't properly understand relationships, when you don't understand that relations, you don't get in a relationship so someone likes you, you don't get in a relationship so you can feel good about yourself, you don't get in a relationship so someone can constantly be praising you and telling you how awesome you are, when you realize that that is a relationship abuse, then we'll go to the right person. Here's what happens when you go to someone for affirmation you are putting a weight on them that they cannot carry. I believe it was God that said in his word, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. See, he's qualified to carry your cares. He's the only one qualified. You can't go to anyone to cast your cares, not even your spouse. There are people that enter marital abuse And I don't mean beating and and talking and, and getting violent. I mean they're putting a weight on their spouse that they cannot carry. Your spouse cannot carry your weight. Your children cannot carry your weight. Your parents cannot carry your weight. Your best friend, your BFF that you've known since you were in preschool, They can't carry your weight. Well, they know a lot about me. There's still someone that knows even more than them. And so we've got to make sure that we're going to the right source when it comes to affirmation. When we lose sight of what relationships are really for, we will go to people just to be liked. We'll end up in a relationship with someone just because they like us. Just because they talk about us. Just because they praise us. And that is the improper use of a relationship. Look at Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16 uh, Jesus goes to John the Baptist, his cousin, and his cousin, the family member, as soon as he sees him coming up the road, he says, there he is. That's the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. That's the Messiah I've been telling you about. That's a physical relationship for Jesus. But here we're going to see something even tighter than that. And in verse 16, it says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Now look at verse 17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is my Son who I love. And I am pleased by him. Now note this. I find it interesting that at this point, Jesus has done nothing in ministry. Jesus has absolutely done nothing in ministry. This is the greatest difference between people, between people's affirmation and God's affirmation. People will like you because of something you do. God loves you because of something you will do. Jesus, at this point, hasn't even started his ministry. He hasn't healed one person. He hasn't walked on water. He hasn't, uh, 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 you know, raised anybody from the dead. He hasn't cast out any demons. He hasn't even preached yet. He hasn't even gotten in front of people and told them about him. And God is already saying at the very beginning, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I am pleased. Why? Because he's my son and I love him. So Jesus instantly, before he even starts doing anything, already is confident of his father's love towards him. Now, this is what we do. We try to do stuff to be liked. To prove to people that I'm worth liking. Why do we have to do that? Because God always sees you. You've heard us say this before. God always sees you based upon your future. When God looks at you, he's looking at what you're capable of doing, not who you currently are. People, on the other hand, no matter what relationship it is, will always look at you based upon your present or your past people will always look at you based upon what you've done who you were or what you're doing and who you are unless you get around a relationship that is also connected with the father as you're connected with the father but the problem we the 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 problem we run into, the mistake that we make, is that we go to people to try to be liked and go to them for affirmation. But we have to prove to them that we're worth affirming. We have to prove to them that we're good enough. You will never have to prove to your Father, your Heavenly Father, that you're good enough. I know people to this day that have been spending their entire lives trying to prove to their parents, trying to prove to their teachers, trying to prove to their friends, trying to prove to uh, their family members that they are good enough. Grown adults. They live their life based upon what someone else thinks of them. And we have to live our lives as believers, as citizens of the kingdom of God. We have to live our lives in remembrance that the most important one already loves us. I sing a song with my son every night before we go to bed and it's, Jesus loves me, this I know, for my Bible tells me so. What am I doing? I'm affirming to him that no matter what anybody else ever says about him, Jesus loves you. When you get that down, you won't run to other people for affirmation. When you become confident in the Father's love for you, you won't care who likes you or doesn't like you. Look at Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Jesus did not grow up as a people pleaser. Jesus did not operate his ministry as a people pleaser. Well, well, he loved everybody. He loved them so much that he wasn't moved by them. See, sometimes, uh, you know, we have to redefine love in today's age. In this world today, uh, see... To everything in God's Word, there is God's definition and then there's the world's definition. And we have to learn what God's definition is. We got to learn what God's definition of truth is. We have to learn what God's definition of peace is. We have to learn what God's definition of love is. And we define love as, uh, you know, uh, being patient with people and. Uh, you know, letting them do whatever and just hoping that they get it right. But that's not God's love. God wants to see people get it right so much that he's not moved by what they do. Jesus loved people so much that he wasn't moved by them. You'll see times in the Bible where cities and uh, uh, regions would beg him to stay in their area. But he wasn't moved by that. You know how many pastors would be moved by that today? Don't go. Don't stay. I mean, don't don't leave us. Stay right here. We love you. But Jesus knew there was going to be a day when he was going to have to look at his own 12 disciples and say, you going to go too? In ministry, we're taught uh, people don't love you. They love your anointing. See, you you don't love me, Mark. You love the anointing that is on Pastor Mark. It's the, Without the anointing, I'm nothing. I'm just going to tell you right now. You know, I kind of joke with people because I'm a shy person. I would, I would consider myself a shy person. But the people that have come to know me, now if I tell that to my parents, they're like, duh, yeah, you've always been like that. You You're always hiding behind someone's leg and, you know, that was you. But people that know me now know me as more confident and bold. There's only one reason for that, the anointing. One of the things that I I hate the most is initiating conversations and meeting new people. I'm all right with four and no more, man. I'm good with us. I'm all right with that. But I love meeting new people and I love initiating conversations and I can carry a conversation. They don't have to say anything to me. But it's just the anointing, because without the anointing, I'm none of that. Without any of that on my life, I'm none of that. So you don't love Mark. You love Pastor Mark. Well, see, they love Jesus. They love Jesus. And still he started talking about division. They loved Jesus until he started talking about, uh, you know, uh, mother's going to be separated from daughter and father's going to be separated from son and they're going to be at war with each other. And and they're thinking, what are you talking about, man? They loved Jesus until he had something to say that changed how they felt about him. But he knew that his father wasn't going to change how he felt about him. And as long as he stayed in alignment with his father, he didn't have to worry about anything. But see, there's a thing that's going on in in our world today where the only thing that we're concerned with, with God, is just him loving us. And we know that he loves us no matter what. We throw out that term, unconditional love, and that means that he loves us no matter what we do, no matter who we were, no matter what we have done. But when you read your Bible, you'll actually find that there's a lot in there about how to please the Father. See, there are times where my son may not please me. I still love him. But I want him to do what I tell him to do, and therefore I'm pleased by that. And there's things throughout the Bible that says this pleases God. And so we've got to be more concerned with pleasing God than pleasing people. If you become a people pleaser, you will ride a roller coaster that will never satisfy you. I'll just go ahead and tell you right now. If you live your life trying to please people and satisfy what they, they'll run you around the block, man. You'll be up one day and down the next. You won't know because that's what we do. That's how we as individuals, as human beings live. We're up one day and we're down the next. And one day we're happy with someone. The next day we're not happy with someone. And if you ride that roller coaster, you'll live the rest of your life in just a, a frantic mess. You'll never be satisfied by that. But no, God wants us to operate by pleasing him. And you'll find out that if you live to please your Father, then you'll satisfy people. Even though it might not seem like something that would satisfy them. There's times as a pastor that I have to have communication with people that I don't want to have communication about. But I have to think this way first. Because if I think this way, then I'll get what God wants me to give to them. That even though it may... Even though it may correct some things, even though it may be kind of hard to hear, ultimately it's what they need to hear to receive the greatest benefit. All I know is I want to be of the greatest benefit to my friends, to my family, and to every relationship that I have on this earth. I want to be fruitful in those relationships. In Mark chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country and his disciples. Followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Verse 3. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. We're going to take a... service during this series and we're going to specifically talk about offenses because i'm going to tell you right now you will have an opportunity with everybody in your life at some point or another to become offended it's automatic it's inevitable it's one of the number one weapons the enemy uses in our lives to divide relationships again the enemy knows the enemy knows If you get in the right relationship, you will damage his kingdom. But if you can get in the wrong relationship, you'll damage God's kingdom. And so he knows, if I can break up these relationships, if I can put a wedge in there, if I can separate something great, then it will produce nothing. So we'll take time to talk talk about offenses, but here what I want to point out is Jesus went back to his own country, Nazareth. That's where he grew up. So now Jesus is back home with all the people that saw him as a little kid. Now he's back home with all the people that saw him go through high school. Now he's back home with the people that saw him grow up through his 20s. You know, someone asked me, do you ever think that Jesus did miracles as, as, you know, in school? I mean, do you ever think that you know, he, uh, a kid fell down and bumped his head and he went over and just prayed for him real quick and he got healed? This right here tells me that he didn't do a whole lot because when he got around his family and his friends and his neighbors and the people he worked with and the people he lived with, they were wondering where all this stuff all of a sudden came from. This right here tells me that Jesus was just a regular old individual in his hometown of Nazareth. So he goes back home. And these people aren't moved by nothing. They actually get offended at him because they start saying, this guy, he built my table. He built my, he built the dining table that we, he he built a rocking chair for me. He, He built a bed. Is this not the son of, of Joseph, the carpenter? I mean, his brothers and sisters, they still live here with us. Who is this guy? All of a sudden, he's going to start preaching to us. All of a sudden, he's going to start spouting off all this wisdom. All of a sudden, he's going to start doing all these miracles like he's something great. But Jesus was not moved by this relationship. He was moved by this relationship. Jesus was so confident in his father's love, his father's love that was shown to him before he ever did anything. Now he gets in front of his own family, his own friends, his neighbors, all his relatives, and they're actually seeing him do something, and they still get offended at him. Now, most of us, we would have broke down. Oh, I mean, for sure I thought my, my mom would have believed in me. For sure, you know, I thought my neighbors that saw me grow, for sure I thought that they would believe in me when when I start doing all this stuff. But he wasn't moved by their response. Jesus was not a people pleaser. And he knew that he was sent there for a reason. Look at verse 4. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives and in his own house. I'm going to tell you right now, some of the hardest people to win over when you de- when you decide on a lifestyle change will be the ones closest to you. Why? Because they know the most about you. The hardest ones you'll have to win over are the ones that know the most about you. Your parents Your friends. I mean, if you were one that ran a certain type of life and then you got saved and you went to your friends or went back to your family and said, Hey, I I got saved. I received Jesus. I'm a different person. You know what they're thinking. Okay. We'll find out Saturday night. We'll see how much of a changed person you are. They don't buy that stuff. They're not thinking that way. But if you get around someone that can now see you the way your Father in Heaven sees you, they're going to say, that's right, amen, you, you are a changed person. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. I don't remember any of those things because my Father doesn't remember any of those things. And those are the people you want to get around. I mean, I know people that have received Jesus, ran a, a certain type of life before that, And then they go back and and they get discouraged because none of their family believes them. None of their friends uh, believe that they've really changed and are really different. And it's discouraging. But you can't be moved by that. You have to be moved by there is someone in heaven who loves me way more than anybody can like me. He's already given you the thumbs up in life. He's already said, I love you you're a new creation. I don't even remember the stuff you did before. See, nobody on earth has that capability. Not even your pastor. I don't even have the ability. I have to rely on God's ability and I have to say, you're a new creation. No matter what I know about you, no matter what I see about you. That's what I tell people. When when, when I counsel them, you know, uh, uh, you know, sometimes they, they get concerned that when I'm starting to preach on things that kind of hit on what we're dealing with with that individual, you know, the, what, did, were you preaching that because of me, you know, because of the meeting that we have? I tell them, I don't think about that stuff. The second we leave this meeting, the second we leave this uh, council, that's I don't look at you that way anymore. I don't walk in the door and say, oh, there's that person, that, that thing that used to do. Yeah, we met, but, you know, we'll see. I don't do that. Why? Because I think in line with my father. I think in line with your father. And if your father can forget it, so can I. The Bible says that if uh, we can't forgive others, we won't even be forgiven. So you can't be discouraged with people that don't think in line with your father. You can't be discouraged with people that don't see you the way God sees you. But here's the flip side of that, because as we go through relationships, we're going to identify the relationships we need to be in, but we're also going to identify how to be the right person in the relationships that we already have. So when you see someone that you know has made a life change, when you see someone, you need to see them the way God sees them and not ever think about the stuff that they used to do. Because that's how God operates. You need to think like your father. As parents, it's real easy to look at our children and think about all the messed up stuff. Because again, we see it all. When you get around people that you see everything about them, it can be difficult to see past all that. But if you want to see them the way God sees them, you have to get them to repent, get them to move towards forgiveness and asking for forgiveness. And the second they do that, it's as if. How many relationships have we torn apart because we bring up people's stuff? How many relationships have we torn about? Because we keep going back and saying, well, man, you used to do this. I mean, there was this one time you hurt me. There was this one time you said this. There was the one, you know, you used to be this kind of guy. How do I know you're not doing? When we do that, we're operating like the devil. Because that's what the devil does. The Bible says, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus did that with the adulterous woman. She was brought out by the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that time. And he's sitting down riding in the sand, and they're saying, you know, what are we supposed to do? They're trying to trip him up. And what does he say? The first one that has never sinned, you cast the first stone. And one by one, they drop him. And he looks at her and says, where are all your accusers? She said, I have none. He said, I don't either. The only one out of the whole bunch that could have. And then what did he say? Repent, go, and sin no more. There's still a requirement there. But he's not going to hold over your head what you used to do. Because because that's not how a proper relationship works. So we have to identify how we look at people the way God sees them. I want to view people through God's eyes. As a pastor, I want to see people the way God sees them. One of the things that we uh put a lot of pride in here at Anchor Faith Church is committing to your purpose. God has placed you in this earth for a reason. Nobody is an accident. God is the most purposeful person in the entire universe. He never messes up. He you imagine this, God has never written anything down and had to use an eraser. He's never had to flip that thing over and say, "Oh, no, that's not what I wanted to do. God has never had a, uh, an awe moment. God has never uttered the words, oh, no. He's never said, what are we going to do now? God is the most purpose, has the most purpose of anybody in this entire universe. So when he created you, he created you with purpose. So if I'm going to operate properly as a pastor, I have to see your potential, not who you are today. And that's what we do. Everything we do, every time I talk with someone, every time uh, every time we minister, everything that we do is centered around pulling greatness out of you. Because I know, regardless of what you're showing us on the outside today, there is greatness inside there, and we want to get it out. That's how God sees you. God sees greatness. God sees greatness in these children that are over here next door. God sees greatness in teenagers. God sees greatness in college students. God sees greatness in marriages. God sees greatness in your abilities. Those things you've been trying to hide. Those things you haven't felt real confident in. Those things that maybe no one else has ever seen or praised you about before. God sees it. God knows it's great. And he wants to get it out of you. Well, guess what? He wants to put you in relationship with someone else that can draw that out of you. It may be a pastor. It may be a friend. It may be uh, someone that you serve with in an area of ministry. It may be a boss or employee or employer. It may be a coworker. But God has something inside of you that he wants to draw out of you. You know, we tell our parents all the time, don't tell your children they can do anything they want. When you grow up, you can be anything you want. We communicate to our children, you're going to do whatever God has called you to do. Your only, your only duty as a parent is to raise them up in the purpose that God has placed them there for. Now my son, he's gonna be a professional baseball player. <clears throat> That's I already had that dream, so you know, me and God were in line there. No, I don't know that. That is a earthly father desire. I'm gonna live vicariously through my son. <clears throat> he's just gonna to have to grow. He's gonna to have to get to be bigger than me, because I couldn't make it. You know, I had someone, you know, ask me once, man, I bet you want your son to be a a pastor when he grows up. I bet you want your son to be in the ministry, don't you? I said, no. What? You don't want him to be in the ministry? Not if God hasn't called him to be. And my only job as his father on this planet is to nurture him in God's word and help him see what his purpose is and then help draw that out. If it's to be a pastor, great. If it's to play sports, great. If it's to be a doctor, great. Whatever it is, I'm just going to help steer him in the right direction because that's my role in this relationship Father to son, and I will be doing him a disservice if I raise him according to my will instead of his heavenly father's will. But since me and the father are one, like Jesus said, and we think alike, like we talked about last week, then I will be able to see him the way his heavenly father sees him. And he's been placed in my care, and now it is my job to steward over him the responsibility that God has given me as a father. I don't have the right to tell him, you can be whatever you want. No, you can be whatever God wants you to be, because that is the only success in life. See, we measure success by world standards, by money and houses and jobs and career. God has a different, has a totally different game playing when it comes to success. You want to know what it is? Obey me. Being obedient to God's word is the most successful thing you'll ever do in your life. That's where provision follows. You may not have the largest bank account. You may not have the most cars and and, and the nicest house. But guess what? You'll be obeying God at his word, and he considers you successful. And so now, in our relationships... We have to look at people as being successful, not based upon who they are or what they're doing, but based upon, are you obeying God's word? Are you in line with what God has told you to do? Because that's how you become successful. So we end up entering these relationships and hindering others rather than helping others. Because we don't view them through God's eyes, we view them through our eyes. Jesus had the hardest time with his own family, with his own relatives, the people that saw him grow up. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. I don't know about you, but I want to be a God pleaser. I want to live my life pleasing God. Because if I become concerned with pleasing God, then I will satisfy my relationships with others. But you know what? That might mean telling someone something that I don't think they want to hear. That might mean having to bring up something that I know that this could potentially hurt our relationship, but I'm not worried about the relationship. I'm concerned about the person. So I'm not going to tell them what I think they want to hear. I'm going to tell them what they need to hear. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 5, bondservants be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Starting with verse 1, he's identifying how to operate in relationships. And we'll go deeper into this later on. It starts out with, uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And he goes down the list. But here in verse 5, he says, Bondservants servants be obedient to those who who are your masters go to verse 6 not with eye service as men pleasers but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill doing service as to the Lord not to men verse 8 knowing that whatever good anyone does he will receive the same from the Lord whether he is a slave or or free. God is saying that when you're operating in a relationship, obviously here he's talking about the employer-employee relationship. When you operate in that relationship, the best way you can operate there is remember that you're ultimately serving me. If you live your life to please the Father, you'll please people. You'll please people in the sense that you'll be giving them what they need. When you go to your job and you're just going based upon what you think they deserve of you, then you're selling them short. But when you go to your job on Monday morning, as crazy and hectic as it may be, and you serve at your job the way that you would serve your heavenly Father, Now you have just satisfied this relationship because you've satisfied this relationship. See, when you keep the relationships in priority, it helps everything else flow properly. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to, the Father, to, uh, to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever you do for whoever, do it as you're doing it unto the Lord. Go down to verse 22. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. The same verse is in here twice. Must have been pretty important. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. When you learn to be a God pleaser instead of a man pleaser, you'll ultimately satisfy your relationship with the Father and in return, satisfy your relationship with men. Then you won't be moved by them because you're not living to please man. You're living to please God. And when they come back and say, "Uh, we don't like that or we didn't think you could do that or you're not really able to do that, you're not moved by it. See, Jesus learned to be confident of his father's love for him and therefore he didn't require something from someone that they couldn't give. See, if you're going to people for affirmation and for love and to... Develop a like status. They can't give you that. But when you become confident of God's love for you. That he has already shown you. Even before you ever decided to love him back. Then it doesn't matter what men do. Thank God Jesus wasn't moved by his hometown. Thank God he didn't just give up and quit. And say man I must not got it. I must not be very good at this whole son of God thing. I mean, don't they know I'm the son of God? Don't they know I am God in the flesh? Don't they know that I'm the one that put them here? That I'm the word that became flesh? Don't they know that? Don't they understand that? He was not moved by their response. He wasn't moved by Peter's response. No, he stayed steady in his purpose because he wasn't moved by relationships. He said, the only way I'm going to be able to enhance their purpose is if I stay in my purpose that the king has given me, that my father has given me. Did we look at verse 23? Put up Colossians three twenty-three. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. We should not be more concerned with those who like us than we are of a God who loves us. If our main concern in life is who is liking us and what is our status and uh, going to people for affirmation, look, if you're moved by that, one day they'll like you and the next day they won't. One day they will... Be all for you, and the next day, they'll be behind your back. Because people can't give you that. You can't rely on people for that. And the only way that I'm going to strengthen the relationships that are in my life is if I strengthen my relationship with my father. It's the only way. As long as I am investing in this relationship, See, I, I know people today that are investing in relationships this way that are beyond investment. I know people that are still trying to give themselves to someone because they're concerned about what they're going to think about them, and they're concerned about the love and the liking and the affirmation. And so they are giving of themselves this way. The only time that you have the right to give of yourself this way is if you're still getting something this way. I know people that are just completely drained in life because they just give themselves to everybody, their parents and their kids and their, uh, the, the, their uh, family members, their friends. Those people that just continue to drain them and drain them and drain them, and they're not going back to their father for any refuel. See, Jesus dealt with those kind of people. Jesus dealt with the people that were hard to deal with. Jesus hung out with the people that were hard to hang out with. Jesus hung out with the people that nobody wanted to hang out with. But you know who he hung out with the most? His father. And so he was always staying replenished. And he was always staying connected to his source. Because if people are your source, they will drain you and they will wear you out. But God won't drain you. God will give back. And then when you begin to identify the relationships that give back, that is a fruitful relationship. Relationships are a two-way street. They should never operate just one way. Relationships should never be, I'm just giving, giving, giving. You're just taking, taking, taking. And I'm not getting anything in return. But we have to be able to identify We have to be able to operate in relationships this way, only in alignment with our relationship with our Father. God has a great purpose for every person in this room. But we have to look at the relationships that we have. Are they hindering our purpose or are they helping us? Am I going to that person for the wrong thing? Because if I am, I'm abusing this relationship. If I'm going to this person just because, you know, they always talk good about me, they always have something good to say, but they're not really addressing any of the issues in your life that they see, then that relationship is in question. That relationship is now not operating at the highest level and is not becoming fruitful. And we need to be in fruitful relationships, amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. Father, we thank you that we don't have a need to be liked because we understand. We understand, Father, that you loved us before we ever loved you. You showed us the love that there's no way we could ever show that kind of love back. Father, we're in an ultimate debt to you because of that love. But Father, I thank you today that as we rely, enhance, and invest in our relationship with you, that you will cause us to be the greatest friend, the greatest parent, the greatest co-worker. No matter what relationship we're involved in, Father, I thank you that they will be enhanced because now we won't require something of another person that they can't give us. And we won't allow people to require something of us that we can't give them. There are people that are around us because they think we always will just have a good word for them and that we'll just always encourage them and that we'll always lift them up and we will. But Father, we need to begin to identify that they need to be going to the Father for that love they need to be going they need to identify where they're at with you before they identify where they're at with us father i thank you for boldness this morning boldness in the relationships that we do have so that we can be able to speak what needs to be said not what people want to hear that we can begin to operate in relationships not based upon what somebody thinks about us or if they like us, but begin to be fruitful in our relationships because we are in the greatest relationship of our life and that's with you. Father, this will enhance our marriages. This will enhance the relationship with our children and with our parents, with our coworkers, friends that we've had for a long time people that we're just getting to know. Whatever relationship it is, Father, I thank you that they will be enhanced. They will come to a new level because we are making the greatest level of investment with you. We thank you for all of this. We thank you for what you're doing in and through our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.